Tuning in to the Day One Dolphins podcast. I'm your host, Out South Florida native, Day One Dolphins degenerate. You can find me on Twitter at YFinsYY. Alongside me is my savage co host, Sut, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, favorite DJ's favorite DJ. You can follow him on Twitter at Chief Sut. Neither one of us have ever been wrong about a single thing. What's going on, Sut? Not too much, bro. I'm actually excited for this one. Uh, I didn't talk to you for a little minute, but. The last time we spoke was pre-draft, and uh, one of your little tweeters went viral with your draft board. And I don't know if it's a sensitive topic, if we're allowed to still talk about this, but do you do you care to talk about your draft board and how that went on draft night, or do we not go there? <sighs> it's a little painful. Uh, I don't like to think back on it, but you know, it seems like it's like this every single year. Uh, every year, I pick somebody on the draft board who I convince myself the Dolphins will take because it only makes sense to take a running back in the draft, and we never do. But uh, James Cook, man, and as if it didn't sting enough, he goes to the Buffalo Bills. So I'm about as excited as he looks to be when he's signing the contract in Buffalo. Did you see that? I saw that, and I saw him on draft night with the same facial expression. I think he was yeah, in the same you, boat as you and I and the fan base. Like, oh, this is an automatic pick. And uh, I don't think he likes the Bills either. <laughs> yeah, imagine sitting in that room and knowing you could have gone to 25 other teams that don't play in negative 12-degree weather half the year. Exactly, bro. It's just not going to be enjoyable for a guy that like played at Georgia. He's from South Florida, so he doesn't like it either, but... It's whatever. We, uh, we've done pretty well in the running back room addressing it, even though I've agreed for the last four to maybe six years that we should have been drafting a running back at least in the second round, third round. I don't know, maybe fourth round even. But uh, Fifth, who knows? Yeah, no, nah, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake was one, but he wasn't one that was super highly touted or anything. And I liked him, but that was the only one in recent memory that was even within a day one or two pick in the draft you know so we didn't address it again but i am happy with the draft that we did have uh i was kind of expecting us to trade up into the first round maybe you know make a splash play but i like that we hung back we chilled uh i really liked the linebacker that we drafted i was pounding my fist for the last two years about that too and they finally addressed it got my boy jerome some support over there what do you think of uh big channing Man, uh, I didn't know too much about him beforehand. I knew that Georgia's defense was super stacked, and I knew that they arguably were going to have more draft picks come off of that defensive unit than any draft we've seen in the past. But uh, everyone was so big on Kobe Dean, so you know I fell in line with that. Then we started watching him drop, and yep. uh, I mean, it's now that I've watched tape on him, he seems a lot like Jerome Baker, and everyone thinks that he's going to be be a Landon Roberts replacement, but he might be more similar to Jerome than we 
than we think you know that's a good thing we want two jeromes at all times because there was too many games where jerome was expected to spy the quarterback and he has to guard the running back out of the backfield because of landon's gonna miss and he's got a blitz having another guy that's competent that can do all those things as well uh, I think that's exactly what we need. And if that's a Landon's replacement, a Landon can go to the bench in special teams where he can excel just running down the field like a missile and hit stick and shit. And having him and Duke Riley as backups, that's serious stuff versus where we were at three years ago where they were like <laughs> starting with Jerome. Duke Riley, though. I liked it. Anytime his number was called last season, he really showed up. So I agree. You know, I agree. He might... And he's a money man. My guy My guy thinks big picture. So I'll yeah, put Duke Riley. We, we touched on that last time. We know what he's on. You know what he's in for. Uh, we got a couple undrafted free agent signings that are worth talking about. Goes without saying, we didn't draft a running back in the draft. So, we, But thankfully, we did get one signed after the draft. And although we didn't get him in the draft, he was amongst some of the better options, especially being undrafted, you know? Uh, he's from South Carolina, Gamecocks. Zaquandre White. Zaquandre White. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a shifty little Yeah, he's, with him. he's nice. And obviously, like, it, you hear undrafted free agent, and you're like, oh, wow, he wasn't a top 10 pick. He must be trash. But, like, sometimes guys have bad combines. Sometimes guys are just in loaded draft rooms, loaded whatever it may be. Sometimes positions are deep, and dudes get overlooked. So now I'm trying to think of another guy who was Raheem undrafted. That in, yeah, exactly. You, I was trying to set myself up, but you got it. Yeah, Needham Island, baby. Yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> of running backs. Raheem Mostert is, you know— I'm, I'm glad he's on the same team with him. You know, he can be like, hey, firsthand, check me out. I was out here surfing. Yeah. Now I'm a running back in the NFL. Y'all uh, remember that one playoff game where I hung four tutties on him? Yeah. yeah that was me. Have <laughs> so. you guys ever checked the top five highest speeds run in the NFL? I'm on there twice. He can talk to him. And then him and Verone McKinley, I believe that's how you say his name. That's the other safety from Oregon that played with Javon at Oregon. I think that's oh, pretty yeah. cool that they added his homie, and I think he's got a really good shot to make the team because Boyer, if Boyer's running a similar system than what he's always ran, we keep multiple safeties, and whether they want to talk about it or not, Devin McCourty's pretty old, so we should start getting ready to figure that out. And I'm not even 100% sure he's coming back. Yeah, I'm not even 100% sure he makes the team. If uh, Javon Holland has anything to say about it, because him and Brandon Jones are like, clearly trying to step up as the starters which would make Rowe the tight end eraser package type of guy and then McKinley McCourty would be fighting for depth so I'm cool with that I think O-line's already kind of sketch I don't know about this Kellen Deesh the the big old tackle that they drafted but he had some pretty good numbers coming out of college and he looks to be pretty solid he could do like a Larnell Coleman and just sit on the uh, practice squad and see what happens but how do you feel about those guys uh i don't know too much about dish but i see other people speaking highly of him i guess he yeah. his like athletic profile matches up really well with um some of the offensive linemen that have been a part of this system that mcdaniel is probably going to be running i think that that was a uh, handpicked by the this staff and i also think uh it's interesting like you said that uh we got javon holland's teammate 
and I believe that that had a lot to do with Javon Holland, believe it or not. I think he was chirping in Coach's ear about it, and he's <laughs> supposed to be, you know, he's got, like, the ball hawk ability as well. He covers a lot of ground, and I would be surprised if he didn't make the team, especially, like you said, since Devin McCourney's the other option. So I think uh, Javon and Brandon Jones are finally at the point where, like, their first string, you know. Yeah. We don't have to wean them into the season. You know, Javon Holland – first half of the season compared to a second half of the season you could see that that he you know the jump that he took just in the second half he actually came out oh and my god said something about they let him loose yeah and he you could tell how comfortable he was then they could start using him in different positions and you know the more comfortable he got the more success you saw when they were using him in those hybrid uh schemes he also came out and on report and said how much like he said how comfortable he was going into this year when last year he was just worried about trying so hard not to make mistakes and that this year he's ready to ball, which uh, should strike fear into the hearts of all the offenses in Uh our uh, division. (laughs) I mean, I I bet it's not going to strike any fear in Zach Wilson because he couldn't be any more scared than he already is. He doesn't know any better. That's why. (laughs) The rest rest of them should watch their But... Players at risk since we drafted. We didn't get a plethora of draft picks here, but we did mm. get a couple. And, you know, accounting for the undrafted free agent signings that we just talked about, who do you think is And regular most... free agents. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, trades. Considering all the offseason changes, draft, everything, what players on our roster do you see are at most risk to make the team? He's my favorite, arguably my favorite player on the team that, like, people don't know about. Lynn Bowden Jr., I'm fighting for him. I'm, I'm, I'll start a petition. I'll I'll show up to the facility on work days. I'll do whatever I got to do. But like he needs to make the team. I know our wide receiver room stacked, and like he hasn't been available. I guess according to some random reports that he's not like fully healthy. If it's just an injury, cool. But we're really deep with the Tyree Kill, with the Trent Sherfields and River Craycrofts and all these other signings that I don't really know what the plan is at wide receiver. I just know he's really versatile, and he could also line up at running back. He played quarterback. He could return kicks. Like, I think he's very versatile but also very at risk. I think Salvin Ahmed is also very at risk. Uh, running back room is very deep, especially after the last couple of free agent signings. So I think him, my boy Pat Laird, the big homie Laird, love him. But I think they're tough. And then on defense, I think the only one that's really got to worry is uh, Sam Egwavon. He can't skate on the uh, practice squad anymore. And we're honestly kind of deep at linebacker, casually. And with the Melvin Ingram and all these other things, he's really good on special teams. And he showed up whenever he had to play last season. I like him, but I think he's pretty at risk. I don't know if you agree or disagree with any of those dudes, but no, I agree. those are my those are my four. I think that uh, Sam Egu- Eguamon is a good one, although he does play special teams. I think uh, there was a report that came out when interviewing Channing Tindall after we drafted him, talking about um, how he wants to be a special teams player and how he wants to do everything. So. That's probably what they envision for him. Uh, that's that's a good look for him, bad look for Sam. But Lynn yeah. <laughs> Bowden Jr., I'm not I, I, I don't know. I hate I hate even like confusing myself thinking about him. McDaniel came out uh, at the press conference and touched on uh, Lynn Bowden. Someone asked 
I don't remember who it was, but uh, he mentioned how intriguing it is for him as a coach to have players who played quarterback before whatever position they play in the NFL because of what it does to their their perspective of the game and that he's always interested in using players like that. So I would be surprised if Lynn Bowden doesn't forcefully get uh, a spot on this roster just because of that. <laughs> He'd um, take Skylar Thompson's emergency quarterback spot? Yeah, why not, dude? Put Skylar yeah. on the on – the, uh, practice squad run three quarterbacks when did we stop running three quarterbacks who cares run three back in my wow. day we used to have four yeah in case the first three got I mean, hurt. if you, you, you go on Madden, <laughs> you know your, your kicker's your third string quarterback so or yeah lynn bowden jr we get a couple guys out there i think alan hearns played a little uh quarterback i don't know where he's gonna be this year i highly doubt he's on the roster albert wilson he does not <laughs> neither one of them are on the Miami Dolphins. I like them. I love Albert. I played I played against Albert in high school when he played quarterback and he split uh all area player of the year with Ed Foley. Shout out to Treasure Coast, shout out to Jacksonville in the building. But yeah. Albert's the man, he's not making the team. We're way too deep at wide receiver this year, which is sick. And there's no Devontae, so we don't have to worry about like needing depth to support our starter getting hurt. Like Tyree Kill Jalen Waddle, knock on wood, they're pretty durable players like through their careers. Like Waddle came back extremely fast from an injury the one time he had one. So like And he played through it. You feel me? So not worried about our, our number one and our number two. I'm seeing some reports coming out. Uh, I think Barry Jackson reported Barry. about Connor Williams taking practice reps at center. And when this was originally reported, it seemed kind of, you know, not alarming, but it stood out to me. Um, since that, we're seeing more of uh, people starting to speak on Connor Williams taking uh, potentially taking the center position this year. Maybe they're preparing him for having to either play left guard or center. But we definitely know that they're mixing around the offensive line and putting you know people in different potential spots out there. So have to. between Connor Williams potentially taking the reps at center and Austin Jackson potentially being our right tackle, how do you feel about this new offensive line shift? If Austin Jackson takes a major step forward, yeah, go ahead and be the starting right tackle. But based off of what I've seen so far, I think he'd make a really good backup right tackle backup left tackle backup something but not starter do you do you want to just straight up go over who my projected offensive line is yeah yeah i thought you were going to ask me do i want like you were going to tag me in just to completely bash austin jackson there but i guess i'll wait you said yeah if austin jackson takes a step forward yeah if grandpa joe gets out of the bed and helps his son in the willie walker factory <laughs> i was about to say why can't why can't austin jackson take a step forward he's not horrendous he's he like he's like 20 he can't years take old a step bro. left he can't take a step right he can't take a step back uh, he can't take a step forward he can't even step his feet are terrible i i just he's an abysmal uh abysmal abysmal he is an abysmal um player to expect to be your starter like if that's your backup plan so be it you lack depth at the, you know, not lack depth, but you have a younger guy who's a little underdeveloped as your depth player. Younger. But if you expect this man to be your starter, you're, you, and it, and it, and it goes awry, you should be fired. 
Like if, if Greer decides, nah, we're going to run it back again with Austin Jackson. And you, we've seen enough. To, you know, he, he, he should be okay. You should be fired if it doesn't work out. That's just my opinion. And I love Greer. So. <laughs> I should have completely sidestepped the Austin Jackson topic. I didn't know you were going to blame on it. God, right. You should have. <laughs> so Sorry. Sorry to can interrupt, we, but go ahead we, with your offensive line projection. And don't you God try and put Austin, Austin Jackson on it. Or I swear to God. <laughs> what? I swear to God, what? Dude, you better censor out every God, too. But uh, nah, he's only like 21 years old, bro. There's There's hope. I think uh, I think can be figured out. But from left tackle, Armstead at left tackle, Kinley at left guard. Everyone tries to say that he doesn't fit the scheme and he's too big and too that. I don't believe it. He's athletic. He was a lifeguard. My man is a boss. He's also a Georgia product, so he can get done. I believe in the SEC, even though the Miami Hurricanes don't play in it and they wouldn't be able to compete in it. <laughs> but either way, uh, Kinley there. I like Williams at center. His biggest issues last year were uh, false starts. And guess what? If you're the center, you can't really false start, bro. Like, <laughs> that's, just a, that's just a quick snap. And we got really quick guys and a really smart quarterback that can get rid of the ball really quick. So I think that solves his uh, jumping problem. I think that solves our center problem. And it moves Dieter to the bench, which is okay because he's, once again, solid depth. Uh, I have Liam at right guard another person that i was afraid to say because i wasn't sure if you were going to cyber bully them as soon as i brought their name up <laughs> but you've hated liam since draft night last year when we drafted mr incredible i think he's cool even though he kind of looks like a thumb um i think he takes a step forward somebody has to out of these younger guys the only younger guy that's been solid that i trust to block to his blind side right tackle robert hunt he's our I would say our shining star of the rookie lineman class with him and Kinley. And I think Larnell Coleman was seventh round of that draft, or maybe he was the next draft with Liam. But out of all the younger guys, I think he's the dopest. I think he's the safest bet at right tackle. That does have AJ on the bench. Wait, you think Liam Eichenberg is the best bet at right tackle? Is that what you just said to me? Robert Hunt. Oh, oh Jesus. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Yeah, nah. I thought about adding Austin Jackson to my uh, line just as a joke. Unfortunately, I think it's, like... it's possible. I really do think that that's a possible outcome. I'm not. I'm not saying it's. I mean, I'm saying I think it's preposterous. But I also do think that that is a potential, a realistic potential outcome. I mean, that would be if Hunt was needed at guard, or yeah, I think that's the, that's exactly that's how it, it would go down. Yeah. But like if Connor Williams isn't playing center, he's probably playing guard. Left and guard. like Yeah, one of you other guys can figure out right guard. What if they just decide to move Austin Jackson to right guard, huh? Now he's not at right tackle. Need to move him to another team. <laughs> I'm I'm guessing nah, it's gonna you can't be... you can't dip a young offensive lineman that's that big and like no, you're right. moves that well. You're right. He's you're really right. young, bro. I'm trolling. I don't want yeah, him on yeah, the yeah, starting yeah. lineup, but we need to hold on to him. You're right. If we we got rid of Jesse Davis, don't be putting this voodoo on Austin Jackson. Like, God, don't even say his name. Don't hey, speak but, Jesse Davis's name in this podcast ever again. But but that's how you're talking about him, dude. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> no. The only difference between no. Jesse Davis and Austin Jackson 
is Jesse Davis had more opportunity to let us down than Austin Jackson has. And if you give Austin Jackson the same amount of opportunity, you will see in time that they are the same. Cold-blooded. I think that if Austin Jackson does make the starting lineup, it would go from left to right, Armstead uh, at left tackle, Liam Eikenberg left guard, Connor Williams center, Robert Hunt, right guard, Austin Jackson, right tackle. Preferably, that doesn't happen, and we end up seeing uh, Dieter at center, which would make the lineup. Um, Teron Armstead, left tackle, Connor Williams, left guard, Michael Dieter, center, Robert Jones, right guard, Robert Hunt, right tackle. Robert Jones? Dark Horse. Yeah. I'm, I'm... Might as well drop Larnell Coleman in there. You know how I feel about him. I know. <laughs> I thought he was going to be better than Liam. He just needs a little extra time. His physical, <laughs> his, his, his like his measurements. If you're just strictly going off of you know him as a human being, an athlete, yeah. his athletic profile is way better than Liam Eikenberg. Liam Eikenberg was like the most New England Patriot style draft pick I've ever seen. Where there's like, eh, he looks like he could start right away and just kind of. You know, do the job. Look at him. You, you, like you're not really shooting for the stars with Liam Eikenberg. The guy's three cone sh- uh, shuttle time was awful. His feet are slow and clunky. His arms are short, and he's you know he gets he's getting bulldozed by 230 pound linebackers. It's it's nothing too crazy. He made. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash him too hard because he came in. He was moved around as a rookie. You know this and that, and everyone around him wasn't really performing well either. So you know I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt here, but. <laughs> I don't have high. I don't have expectations of him as, to ever be uh, a Pro Bowler, an All Pro, an anchor that you re-sign for a five-year contract. None of that. Well, speaking of a Patriots guard that I don't have any hope in, that I don't see you re-signing as an anchor for five years. How about your boy Cole Strange? He's a strange little. Pretty cat. strange, if you ask me, man. <laughs> Pretty strange. I don't know about their draft. I don't know about him. Uh, I think his Instagram trolling was uh, misconstrued, but also still really weird. Um, I never know what the Patriots are doing when they draft. Every once in a while, it makes sense, but for the most part, it doesn't. I feel like Bill makes his money in free agency and like those late signings right before like the season gets going, and then he just beats her ass as being a better coach than you. But uh, I don't know. I don't think their draft was impressive. I think the Jets had a better draft, but they have the opposite situation where Salah might be the dude and the coaching might be there, but it also might not be because <laughs> you might need to be on Bill Belichick's level to like not have a whole bunch of top-end talent and win. But how do you feel about the division, uh, the division rivals? Well, pertaining to Cole Strange, I will risk myself looking like a complete idiot and go out and say, what a reach. What a clown reach, Bill. Hard reach. Just why, like, first round you came up to get Cole Strange and you saw Sean McVay uh, off the juice laughing, thinking, off the yikes, saying that he thought he was going to be there in the third round. Um, but as far as the little controversial troll that he had going on, on Instagram, <laughs> he posted predominantly. It was like a slide of like five images and like I think four out of five at least were all pictures of 
the Miami stadium and the Miami facility, like in the locker rooms, uh, probably in the hallway where you see like some of the hall of fame player jerseys hung up and then like on the field from the stands, like overlooking it. Yeah. Like, and it would seem pretty empty, maybe a little bit of practice going on there. And then he posted all those pictures uh, and, and the caption was go Patriots after he got signed. I'm like what? He fits in perfectly over there. What an asshole. I don't, I mean, just un unnecessary Cole. Way to like cement yourself as an enemy of ours immediately. He is he is the devil and he plays for the devil, but I'm gonna have to be devil's advocate. And he posted like a, a few different visits from a few different places before he got drafted. And one of them was Miami. I think one of them was the Bucks and one of them was like the Saints. And I don't know what the captions were prior, but once he got drafted, he changed them all to go Patriots. Which is low key, just as fucking strange. Um, I don't really like get what the point of that was. Either just like archive them or delete them or like He's trolling. put up put up some fresh merch. Yeah, if you think you're funny, bro, Christian Wilkins and Raekwon Davis are gonna sh they're gonna show you something funny. They're actually well, hilarious. He's a guard, right? Yeah, we're gonna give it to him right in the meat potatoes. It'd be Andrew Van Ginkle just jumping over him. Yeah, it'll just be, hurtling him. It'll be the safeties jumping over him, linebackers jumping over him. We send all kinds of crazy shit, so. You like it strange, you fucking Yeah. I hope he's laying on his we back. Need, we need to just wax him. As far as Bill Belichick goes, um, you know what hmm. I was thinking about while you were while you were saying uh Bill Belichick and you know how he, he coaches up the players and stuff. Do you ever remember a time where Bill had as much turnover in players and free agency signings as he did last offseason? And he signed most of their money into tight ends and then yeah like three of them yeah and i guess i mean it worked mac jones developed pretty solid i reckon from how they feel and they won so it's true they did go to the playoffs but it was kind of like weird it looked like how any time that we went to the playoffs <laughs> you know, 2016 it was just like all right well you're gonna get knocked out first round and you don't belong to be there like you don't somebody belong. has to be the last seed but like yeah I don't remember him ever having that much new talent at once on the roster. And so it's a new situation for Bill Belichick, it feels like. You know, like usually the consistency of return players that they have makes it to where most players know the system already and you're plugging in a few pieces here and there and catching them up to speed. Whereas this turnover was a lot more players and, you know, who knows how that affected them. It seemed like it did in the beginning of the season, especially. Yeah. And he's also going into this season without his uh, boyfriend at offensive coordinator. Oh, that's going to be such an exciting storyline to watch play out. Yeah. I mean, who's, who is it? Did they sign somebody or is it someone in house that they just like put on? I wouldn't be surprised if it was another, oh, like, no, it's um, Matt Patricia, isn't it? Nah, they said he's working with the offensive line. Yeah. Well, you know how he does over there though. He's not going to name anyone. He, somebody, it's gonna. It could be Matt Patricia for all we know. Even though his title is offensive line coach, it could be Bill himself. It could be Bill's son. Who knows what's gonna happen? He, the person who's calling the plays, might not even get the title for it until halfway through the season when some reporter forces him to, you know, shine a light on it. Yeah, literally, it might be Joe Judge what the? or uh, yeah, he's he's not on the Giants anymore, and they signed him. It said as a oh, quarterbacks coach. Him? Yep. Wow. Yes, sir. Oh no, they got Bill O'Brien, dog. <laughs> really bro that's what i'm saying they got a, they got a stacked ass staff over there 
Patricia, Bill O'Brien, and uh, what's his face all were head coaches at one point. Oh, so. That's rough. McDaniels. But that's the funny thing. They do this <laughs> all seems... the time, and then they all leave, and, and then McDaniels comes back. So it's yeah, cool. Yeah, because Bill Belichick shows them how to, how to run a franchise on one side of the ball. <laughs> and then yep. sets them free, and they fail, and then they have to come back. And he's like, it's okay. Come on back. It's fine, everybody. Knows it's that. like when your parents kick you out of the house, <laughs> but they know you don't have any money. Yeah. All right. Um, let's touch on a very sensitive subject. I know that you saw a specific media clip of the Dolphins' practice. And technically, let me just you know make sure that we're we're referring to this accurately. This was not a practice. This was a walkthrough. Tua was in a bucket hat. Tyreek Hill was wearing shorts, like cheetah shorts or something, <laughs> zebra shorts or something. So this wasn't a real practice. But nonetheless, the media team in Miami decided they would publish a video of what looked like probably like anywhere from 30 to 60-yard throw that Tyreek Hill had to turn around for and made it, if he took a still shot of it, it looked like he was receiving a, a punt and we got dragged by everyone from the New York post to Damian Woodley to uh, Pat McAfee had a segment on it. CBS, NBC, CNN, Fox even had a sports segment on it. Uh, every Jets fan, every Patriots Good fan. Football. Um, what's his name? Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football has made sure to refer to it a million times. He's a Bills fan. He can just he can go to hell. What do you make of that video going viral? I think it topped out, you know, within the relevant relevance of when it came out. I think it topped out around seven million views, man. Yeah, and the second that it was posted, I'm looking at it on Twitter and I'm like, ah, oh, boys, we're watching the Heat game and it's like, yo, two is about to get smoked for the next X amount of days due to our social media team because it's probably just like the first time that two has ever thrown the ball to Tyreek Hill and seen how fast he is or I don't know what it was I'm not going to sit here and try to make an excuse but it was definitely underthrown at practice not a game practice Locked and up. all they want to do is look for a reason to hate Tua which is why you walk you watched a day later two days later Cheetah posts a video beautiful in stride Social media team drops a video a couple days after that. Beautiful, in stride, all over the place. Different targets, different speeds, different heights. However, which way you want it. Nobody says anything. Now, I will say, I don't know what article it came from, or somebody listed Tua as, like, the number four Dark Horse MVP yeah, candidate. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, so somebody's reading in between the lines. I like oh, that person. 80 to 1, 75 to 1. Hey, smash it. <laughs> Let's go, dude. Take Ooh. my bank account. Yeah. Take it all. Put the house on it, kids. Everything. But, no, nah, not on MVP. That's, guys, that's a scam. The kids are invested. They know that we lose the house if he doesn't win. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, bro. But I think the underthrow, exactly. Like, Allen Iverson said it best. We're talking about practice. This is the franchise player. Not a game. Practice. And then he showed up the next couple days. They got it in stride. So, to me... I think everybody was really giddy just to see them connect on a pass. And I think the social media team either has somebody super forward thinking and was like, all right, guys, so we know two is really good. So we're going to post a video of him looking not that good. That way it gets plays. That way everyone thinks he's bad and we know he's good. So it's fine. 
that's a very optimistic <laughs> uh, perspective. I like it. Or they just are really excited and don't know what the f they're doing. And <laughs> saw, oh wow, two or three to Tyreek. Get a video of that. Boom, boom, posted. That's what happens when you don't have actual Dolphins fans running that stuff. But yeah, some people get crazy online about the reporting. I, I uh, actually, I was listening to the Omar Kelly uh, segment on the Big O show. And speaking of somebody that's not a fan of the team that they work for. Yeah, exactly. But I love that, you know, Big O, like, I don't know. These guys all keep coming back onto his show and they've known each other for years. And he just, he just lays into them. I, like, he, he holds them in check. It doesn't matter if it's Elaine or Omar or, you know, uh, Joe Shad or who it is. He makes sure to put them in their place. Uh, he, while talking, I I I picked up on uh, Omar said something about pertaining to Tua's leadership. He kind of implied he didn't flat out say it, but he implied during the conversation that Tua declined um, the team captain nomination because that would mean that he had to take extra weekly meetings in a room with a few of the captains and Flores. And he just didn't want to be in any more meetings with Flores than he had. I was had. about to say, the captains and who? Goes up there every day talking about Deshaun Watson and won't just say, stop asking me about Deshaun Watson. Two was my starting quarterback and we're not looking elsewhere. This man didn't say that once, except kind of halfway. No, like I'm not even going to give him that credit. He like he never stuck up for Tua, so I don't blame Tua for not wanting to be around him. Like, a lot of people do, though, you know, and I, a lot of I people, try to a lot see of the other side. Tide pods, bro. F*** them. Oh, wow. I did it one time, all right? <laughs> My girlfriend licked one once. I'm like, yo, that's the same thing. <laughs> that's how it activates. <laughs> once you lick yeah. it, once you get the taste for it, you'll never, you'll never be the same. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, there's plenty of reasons we can go on about, you know, potentially Brian Flores being wrong, right, or whatever, you know, not to get into the politics of it, but Tua didn't want to be a captain for that reason, and ultimately I don't, I don't hold him for that, you know. I, a lot of people are upset and they say that it's a testament to the lack of leadership that Tua has, but I think that a lot of those people might change their tune if they were in his shoes and you know I, I i think uh that brings me back to that pat mcafee segment that we were talking about earlier pertaining to the underthrow you know he talks uh he really laid it out on the table and he, he asked gumby who's a dolphins fan on the show about you know why you think Tua gets so much you know unwarranted hate or what the reason is and he, he talks about it's fun to poke the bear and once you are a meme on the internet you know, is what it is. Like the more defensive you get about it, and when I mean you, I'm speaking on behalf of Dolphins fans on the internet. You know, no, like they, me specifically. Yeah. yeah, they just keep poking me, dude. They send me every me single too. one, three times a day. I'm sick of it. Well, you know, you put it in the bio, and you literally asked for it, so you can't be that surprised. Yeah. But uh, and... he says, um, along the way of Tua's time in the NFL thus far, there's always been something that stands out where if you're a Tua doubter or to a skeptic or to a hater even that there has been something along the way that you can point at and say like oh well he's bad because of this and it has been a really strange set of circumstances and events that have taken place throughout his transition to the nfl and you could look at it from you know either light like his uh they were talking about how when he couldn't do a pro day because he wasn't 
fully healed yet or combine or draft, whatever, you know, he couldn't throw at the combine. And so when they did have him do it with um, Trent Dilfer, it was in a dome and he was throwing the ball on this short field in a dome. It was also, it was also COVID. I, I mean, I know I'm not, I'm not like, I'm just giving. There was no combine. Everybody had pro days and the pro days were like kind of weird. Yeah. Well, not everybody did them inside of a dome on a shortened field. You know what I mean? And I'm not yeah, saying that they did that as a strategic, uh, you know, like a strategy to make Tua look better than he is. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, he couldn't have thrown it outside or maybe he couldn't or whatever the case may be. I'm just saying he points out that along the way, there's always been some type of thorn that stands out that says, well, look at this. You know, well, you know, yeah. he got like the Dolphins were contending for a playoff spot with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but but Tua got benched. But look at this. You know what I mean? So uh, there's always been something that you could point at and look at that that gives you a reason that Tua didn't do well. Yeah, I'm not doing uh, that. No we, more. we obviously don't feel we're that gonna way. We're going to see this year. It's either Tua or it's not. Next topic. <laughs> It's just so old, well, bro. He, he like, made a lot of sense, and I feel like he did a good job at, um, you know, putting it together. It, it was, I don't know. I, I knew that all of that was the case, but once he put it all together like that, it's like, yeah, you know, all these people that just already have some weird disdain for Tua have these reasons along the way. It's not that it's com it's not completely out of thin air. Like, they have these things that they can point at along the way to be like, well, 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 and, you know, not totally wrong. But. And I'm a, and I'm the kind of person that if you go well, well, well too much, I'm just not going to listen to you or speak to you anymore. So, like, in my opinion, like, I just wish people would stop talking about them. It's clear as day that the Dolphins did every single thing in their power to set him up for success. There is no weird coach hanging above his head. There's no weird Deshaun Watson rumors. There's no injury. There's no question marks at wide receiver. They boosted up the offensive line for him. There is literally no excuse. There's no thorn. There's no nothing. If you guys are right, Tua's going to suck. If we're right, he's not. <laughs> End of story. We'll be there in a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a special guest on the show. The next, after the first couple weeks, and like... Everyone's going to overreact, whether Tua throws for 500 yards game one or he throws for 32 yards game one. I don't care because I'm going yep. for a larger sample size here. You know what I'm saying? The, he's playing for the year anyways, and he still has another year on his contract after this anyways. So that plays into it too. Does not matter. He'll be on, he'll be on the bench next year if he does not crush this year. Crush. Crush. Play well. Playoffs. Ship. Playoffs over Playoffs. 10 wins. Talking about playoffs? We talking about playoffs. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, but we'll have a guest on. Depending on if he ends up bad or good for Tua, we'll either have the most notable Tua hater or the most notable Tua stan come on the show and uh, brag about them being right. Um, I want to bring him on either way. Brag about him being right or wrong and just... Oh, it'd be so painful. Yeah. It'd be so painful if, you, if we're completely wrong and it's just completely evident. And you just have to completely eat your words. And then we just have to listen to this <sighs> person tell us why they were right the whole time. Couldn't think of anything worse. I mean, that's probably when the show would just have to end. 
not, we're not doing this. We'll be back next season with the draft, draft finale. I'm going to let you do the show. Me and Sutt are going to go make a sandwich. You say what you got to say. Yeah. It's recording. And we'll get ready. To, we'll get ready to scout some quarterbacks, get ready for the Tyler Van Dyke push, and figure that out. Like, bro, when, I, when I'm telling you, like, there is zero room for Tua bull this year. Like, Greer just made that clear. McDaniels made that clear. Fan base made that clear. Ross made that clear. Like, yeah, you got another year in your contract. You will be fighting for the starting spot on that contract, and then you will be gone because no one will want to trade for you if you have a down year. You can't afford a down year, bro. Like, at all. You could be the next Rosen that fast. Or you could not be. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. I forget who it was. Uh, no, it was um, Peter Schrager. Peter Schrager said it was the Mitch Trubisky effect. He said, everyone's always going to look at Mitch Trubisky and know that he was drafted in between Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And so he's always going to be compared to those two guys. So even when he plays above average, it's just like, well, look what we could have got. And Tua yep. kind of has the same thing going when it pertains to his draft, his where he was drafted because he landed in between Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. It's so. not only that, bro. It's like he's been that highly touted since high school. Like he's always been highly touted. So like you got, this is the time to show up. Like last year and the year before with the big crutch was, you know, there wasn't enough talent around him. And he's, he's used to having an Alabama offense and having all these ex excessively good players around him. All right. Well, now he actually does. So like you have everything you need, my brother. I'm fully confident you're going to get it done. But, like, if you don't, that's it. Nobody's going to sit here defending Tua anymore if, like, you can't do it with all these tools. Like, I'm not. I don't know Preach. why anybody would. I might. Like, go for it. Teddy B season. <laughs> He's straight out. Don't you care. Too. Hey, I'm don't just saying. Care. I'm not going there, bro. I don't, I'm fully no, confident in Tua. It. I'm just saying. I'm don't just make saying. me go on a tangent about Teddy. I'm just saying, I do bro. not respect <laughs> that in 2019, Teddy Bridgewater was going to be paid more money than what he got paid in Carolina to come play in Miami where he grew up, where he was a fan of, where he played in high school, where he played as a kid learning the game of football. He was going to get paid more money, and instead he went to Carolina and oh yeah also he was going to be able to play with Devonte parker who was his wide receiver one in college still didn't come i won't forget i will not forget and i'm glad that he has to come back as a second string but me too and i hope he doesn't start i hope Tua crutches and he gets mvp and he does all the things i feel like he's gonna do but i'm just saying like if if we're gonna talk about that other reality it's there Bro, like every every time I look up, they, they made another free agent signing and it's a free agent signing that made sense. The Melvin Ingram signing was like a nice depth piece for the defense that like retained the entire defense over. But for them to add... And they were flirting with that for a while. We didn't know if it was actually going to happen. Bro, and now like those kind of things are happening. The Sony Michelle thing happening. I don't know about him picking that number. He I liked him giving his little spiel about it and everything, but... He did show some respect. Yeah, that was that was respectable. I, I I can. And that. whose fault is it? It's the Dolphins' fault for not retiring the number. Didn't Daniel Thomas wear it? Didn't Jordan Howard wear it? I mean, Jordan Howard looked cool with the black visor, at least. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, he looked cool going for 
1.5 yards per carry. 10 carries, 15 yards, baby. Efficient. I guarantee you <laughs> I could have had 10 carries and 15 yards in the NFL. So Tomorrow. Then, why did he go to Philly and have like I would have ate a bag of Doritos. And I could have got 16 yards. I'd like to I'd like to try to make that happen. Maybe tap into <laughs> some sports too. science guys. <laughs> uh, I, they'd break my leg or something. I was like, this was a bad idea. I didn't have my coffee yet. <laughs> Miami